Hi everyone and welcome to Middle Earth, your source for insight into China cultural industry. I'm your host, Aladdin Fare, and this show is a member of the Seneca Network from SubChina.com. And if you want to know more about the Middle Kingdom business, social and political news, I'm sure you'll find plenty of other things to read and listen on the website. Today, we are trying another format of the show, a case study episode where one guest will go over a specific project or thematic of China cultural industry. And today, to kick off this new format, I am with Anthony Kuhn, who works at NPR, United States National Public Radio. You might have heard about him. He was the journalist who, during a press conference in Beijing a couple years ago, asked his question in both fluent Chinese and English, making him an internet sensation on Weibo. Anthony has been investigating how China is using its soft power. And that's actually one of the reasons I started this whole show, how politics and culture can be linked. I'm personally convinced the culture of a country often doesn't come out of thin hair. There is a political and business side to it. Anyway, good morning, Anthony. Good morning, Latin. Thank you for having me on the show. Thank you for uh, giving your precious time as you're going to leave in a few days. Uh, to France and Korea. In China, so when we go to museum, when we go to Chinese classes, we always hear things like China has 5,000 years of history, we have a really long and deep culture. But at the same time, it seems that China is completely unable to make its soft power goes into the world, unlike South Korea or Japan. I think that's true. I think it's it's struggling to get its message out. Um, I've been looking at this question for more or less 20 years. I was a student here in both the 1980s and the 1990s, and one of my main areas of interest has been traditional culture uh, and its impact on uh, China today. Uh, I happen to be working on a series uh, related to this topic right now, uh, which is about uh, how China is changing the world. And I'm looking in particular on it at uh, China's... Um, media and soft power policies over the past five years. And I really feel that we are at a very crucial time uh, for this matter. I feel China has um, run into some serious problems just this summer because of this issue. In my story, I'm going to be starting out talking about the origins of soft power policy, which uh, really began in 2007 with Xi Jinping's predecessor, Hu Jintao, And, of course, uh, the following year, two very big things happened. One was China joined the World Trade Organization, and it held the Beijing Olympics. And, but uh, it was a rough time. It didn't go smoothly. Uh, there were um, a lot of uh, reports about human rights problems in China. There were the protests against the Olympic torch relay. And uh, I remember the sense of frustration that their big party was being ruined. And so they felt that they must develop a voice that is commensurate with their standing in the world, with a country of their size and, um, you know, ancient culture. If China is going to export its soft power, its culture, what is it going to choose? What values is it going to choose to represent? What if its great Uh, cultural heritage will it sort of unearth, dust off, and repackage. There's been a lot of uh, disruption to China's cultural heritage, particularly during the Cultural Revolution, and that's why I say it has to be unearthed and, unearthed and dusted off, because many young people in China are just not aware of traditional culture. It's no longer uh, part of, you know, it's not, no longer the sort of backbone of the education that it used to be. 
everything has been forgotten or they don't want to dig it up or they don't know how to do it? Really, the, the, the beginning of the assault on traditional education came with the May 4th movement in 1919. Uh, the tradition has been under you know, serious criticism ever since. In general, you know, kids do not have the kind of grounding in the classics, I think, that they used to. I'll just briefly speak about the current, uh, what, what I consider a real crisis, or at the very least, very serious headwinds for China's soft, soft power policy. And that is, you know, for a country uh, and a ruling party which derives its legitimacy from improvements in the standard of living and in GDP growth, it's understandable that, you know, the Communist Party would want to pump that up, would want to trumpet it, would want to call attention to it. And that's why we uh, had this huge sort of um, propaganda push typified by the propaganda film Amazing China in Chinese Li Hai Luo De Guo, which came out this year. This film Amazing China was made by Chinese state television uh, and people from schools and government uh, units all around the country were bussed in to see it. It was being hailed as one of the, the biggest documentaries of all time. And then suddenly, in April, uh, it disappeared. The media scholars that I've spoken to said that basically they needed to, to pump up propaganda and publicity about China's achievements in order to you know, bolster its legitimacy, but that the soft power got ahead of the hard power. And what showed this? What exposed the gap? It was the trade war with the U.S. And since then, we've seen a dialing down of propaganda, and we've seen the, um, the sacking and the replacement of China's top officials in charge of external propaganda and the internet. And now to talk about the soft power towards the world, what kind of soft power did they try to do? China has tried to get resources from its cultural heritage, and I think that's uh, a very sensible approach, actually. I think whatever values China settles on to export a lot of that is going to have to come from its, its own cultural heritage. The problem with traditional values are, first of all, I feel that sometimes China has difficulty uh, seeing the difference between what it claims are its own values and what, what are, in, in fact, human values. Chinese people will say, you know, our, our traditional values are we honor our ancestors, we place great value on education, all these things. That sort of uh, avoids the question of other cultures. Do other cultures not, you know, value their, their elders? Is, certainly it's expressed in a different way, but this is surely a, a human trait. I, I really think that China ought to do some taking stock of its heritage and deciding what ideas it wants to promote uh, and then doing so effectively. And apparently within a decade, they did not manage to do it. Do you think there would be a reason for that? Uh, there are many people who feel that the current system is just not capable of producing ideas and discourse that is attractive to the outside world. Uh, they believe that you know the Chinese government and ruling party is not really interested in helping people to understand China better, which some would argue, I would argue, is the most pressing task at the moment. I have helped to train Chinese government spokespersons. And I said, you must take the initiative to get your message out. Don't retreat and say no comment when faced with controversy or difficulty. 
Uh, but right now we we see that the government is having difficulty doing that. And once the government is under attack for a number of things, it has this uh, reflexive uh, retreat. You know, that said, I think that um, China wants to present itself as an alternative to um, what the U.S. is doing and Western governments. And I think it, it, it has an opportunity there. I certainly believe that uh, the U.S.'s retreat from multilateral institutions and global governance and all this thing makes room for China. Uh, if it had its act together, it could uh, very convincingly point out where the U.S. has gone wrong. So um, I, think, I think China has an opportunity here, an opening, to get in there and present an alternative narrative. But it's, it's, it's having real difficulty and... Uh, so much of that is related to what it's doing at home, its human rights record, its treatment of uh, you know human rights lawyers, its treatment of minorities, particularly the Uyghurs in Xinjiang. It's not going well. The other thing you already mentioned at the beginning of this interview is the fact that the youth of China, they don't really have now a traditional culture. And now when we look at the biggest show, so I'm thinking about Zhongguo Yoxia, China's rap, which was like one of the biggest hit show on the Chinese internet. And then after like some China entities, they say like, we don't want football player to have tattoo. So I feel that on one side, China wants to tell the world, we have a long history, we have a long culture. But on the other side, they're really defensive on their culture and they don't want to accept anything else. Whereas I think Japan and South Korea, one of the reasons they managed to be to have such a strong soft power is because they took external culture and they mix it with their own and then they re-export it to the world. And I think China, they are just not able to do this. Exactly. That's the synthesis of you know, foreign and uh, Chinese cultures that I was talking about before. They also don't seem to have, you know, their, their, their market, their industry for popular culture is not as uh, well-developed in uh, as, as South Korea and Japan, which have, you know, very sophisticated uh, marketing and production facilities for, for culture. Yes, I think they're trying to portray themselves as the arbiters of taste for the nation, the protectors and the inheritors of traditional culture. Uh, and I think that's, uh, you know, they've, they've had very mixed results with that. Um, you know, the Chinese film industry is uh, constantly, uh, seems to be conf constantly in, in this difficulty trapped between censorship on one hand and commercial pressures on the other. Uh, and the movie industry has just not been um, as successful as it might be compared to its neighbors in Hong Kong, Taiwan, South Korea, and Japan. On the other hand, I think if China is able to produce some films the way it did in the 90s and the early the early years of uh, of this century, with you know art house films of the sort that were put out by Zhang Yimou and Chen Kaige, I think that would be a very good start. Those are just not coming out right now. When we go to museum or when we read articles, like there is this idea that China has been taken away from their rightful place in history because of bad imperialistic people, by the imperialistic people, almost two centuries ago. Are people using culture right now to kind of claim to take back the spot of that China once had? That is certainly part of it. 
wherever you know China is successful in exporting its culture, wherever something catches on, uh, you see the Chinese media very quick to take credit for it. Uh, it's certainly certainly understandable if you think about um, you know China's place in the East Asian order traditionally, where it exported uh, you know not just uh, science, technology, art, language, and all this, but you know also its its way of life, everything from um, you know chopsticks to military technology. Uh, it was, you know, in in some ways similar to Greece and Rome in the ancient world of the the Mediterranean. Um, so that's the sort of central kingdom role it in, it envisages for itself. Um, and you know, because I report from places in that world, including you know Japan and South Korea and Taiwan, I see it all the time. Ways in which. Uh, Confucianism and uh, traditional society have survived in these other countries while they have been extinguished in in China. Last question: If tomorrow you're being called again by a government advisor and by government cadre, and they ask you to give them some advice on how do we sell the Chinese culture to the world, would you give them a couple of advice of how to do it? As I said, I think they need some real uh, reflection and thought to go over, you know, to comb through their uh, tr traditional culture uh, and decide on the values and also the works, the texts, the, um, you know, the, the body, the, the parts of their bodies of literature and arts and things that they want to promote. And they have to give, give thought both to, you know, what represents China, the outside world, and also what will be attractive, what will catch on overseas. I also think the problem of soft power is very much related to media policy, uh, and China has certainly made progress over the past 30 years, but at the, at the moment we're in a very, very tough period, um, and we know that China can do better. We know there are people in China who realize that um, the foreign press can can help them to get their message out. You know, there are just large parts of the country where people have no experience with the foreign media, they don't know how to deal with them, they're terrified of them because they think they're going to make them lose their jobs. Um, but if they just take the initiative to get their message out, they will do a lot for their own soft power. And so I think there's a learning curve, and eventually uh, China will, will climb up it. Well, thank you again for giving you your time. My pleasure, Aladdin. And on those good words, we are going to wrap up this show. Thank you, dear listeners, for sticking until the end credits. This show was produced and hosted by Aladdin, co-produced by Kaiser. Music by Sean. Designed by Brendan. There was a slight mistake, as China did not join the World Trade Organization in 2007, but in 2001. Since this recording, Anthony News Report is now online. You can find it in the description of the podcast as well as his Weibo Moment of Fame, recorded by CCTV, and more information on the film Amazing China. Also, in order to receive our latest news or event, you can look for us on your favorite social media platform at Middle Earth Podcast. You can also subscribe on this show in iTunes, Simalaya, or Pocket Cast. Those are the app we would recommend to use. And you know the drill. Don't hesitate to recommend, like, critique, roast, and share this episode, as we love to get some feedback, good or bad. 
Middle Earth is an HPV production. Have a nice day. Bye bye.